This podcast is recorded on Noongar land. We'd like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional owners of the land and extend that respect to any First Nations, Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander and their elders who are listening today. We respect their spiritual relationship with their country. Have you ever wondered exactly what it is that that married man found so appealing about paying for it? Or watched the murder doco and thought, how can that monster's mother still love him? Welcome to To Be Frank, the show that invites you to step inside the world of Constance Hall as she explores the most interesting topics and people from all over the world with no BS, no filter. Now your host, Constance Hall and co-host, Claudia McLeod. Welcome to another episode of To Be Frank. I'm sitting here with Claudia. Hello. And today we're joined by the incredible, first time sort of meeting face-to-face via FaceTime, I don't want to say this wrong, Lauren Dubois or Lauren Dubois? Lauren Dubois. Lauren Dubois, how glamorous. What a great (laughs) surname. Yeah, French. Is it French? It is French, yes. Funny thing happens online, right? I wanted to talk to you about this and see what your opinion is. It's almost like if you don't know someone else that has a profile that's doing something similar to you, there's a barrier between you. Like I found out who you were maybe about a year ago or two years ago and I was looking through my trolling pages (laughs) and – Pages. I was writing an article about <laughs> trolling, which is never fun. And I saw the letters LDB coming up a lot. I was Googling who's LDB, you know, and I'm getting like fucking cults in Utah. And um, <laughs> <laughs> But then I'm on Instagram at some point and I see your name and I went, bingo, Lauren Dubois. Why didn't I hit follow? Why didn't I? Why didn't you? Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like there is a weird thing that I don't know if it's just me or if it's like you. I just think that if they don't follow me, then they don't like me. Not that they don't know who I am. So you don't want to follow them if they don't follow you. Yeah. I should have like, considering the work that you do, I should have followed you and DM'd you and been like, you're rad, but I didn't. And it wasn't until things happened that are happening now in Palestine that someone put us in a group message. And I was like, oh, I'm in a group message with people that I know who they are, but I don't know them. You know, like I followed you on Facebook many years ago. I bought your book, everything. Oh, yeah. But I deserted Facebook a few years ago because Facebook is a cesspit. It, it makes me sad. It's just someone once described it as Facebook is like 2 a.m. after the pub is closed and everyone's had too much Bundy. Um, <laughs> I was like, that's exactly. So I left and I guess I just never transferred you over to Instagram yeah. and that, that's where I live now. You don't go to Facebook at all. How many followers do you have there? Do they feel abandoned? On Facebook. <laughs> yeah. About 25,000. They probably do feel abandoned, but I know a lot of them because my story still go up on my Facebook page, but I don't even, I don't share my posts over there, nothing. Yeah, I left you behind in Facebook. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was not personal. It was not a, I don't like her kind of No, thing. well, that's. stand that because I get very sensitive sometimes when I see other larger people and go, oh, they're not following me. I feel like they probably do know who I am. And if they're not following me, that's for a reason. So therefore. Why don't they? Why don't they follow me? <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, isn't it? It'd be really nice if everyone was a little bit less like that and we were just like, <laughs> hey, you know, you write about having kids, I write about having kids, we should be friends. But you know but what, it's, like- it's, it is because of the troll pages because 
you get paranoid. I get paranoid. And it's funny that you say LDB. I know that they call me LDB. It's always bothered me because that suggests that my name is D-U space B-O-I-S. <laughs> it's all one word. So why isn't it just LD? I don't know why it's LDB. But anyway, <laughs> it's one of those. It's got more of a ring to it. It's got a bit of a ring. But it, it was funny because um, somebody else that has a bit of a platform sent me a message not long ago that said, hey, LDB. And I went, no. <laughs> right. Where have you been? Only one kind of person that calls me that. And um, hi. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, who was that? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I get the same because the people who trolled me at the end of last year, they all call me Connie. And so, yeah, and so now, like, new troll pages will pop up and they'll call me Connie and I'm like, oh, there you go. You know who it is. You know what I mean? Uh, It's just interesting. (laughs) You guys think that Instagram is becoming a little bit like Facebook? Like, it's just the new platform for... It is becoming very savage. Is it like the pub after two? Young kids say that you get slaughtered on Instagram more than TikTok. TikTok used to be savage. So, for me, it's different. Okay, so on Facebook, you get an older demographic. You also get a lot more men. I, there's a lot more men. Do you think it's because that, that men are a bit older? Maybe there are just more old men around. <laughs> on Facebook, your content can go to anybody. So you'll just pop up in somebody's feed and they'll be like, I hate her. Whereas yeah. on Instagram, it's more like they have to already follow you. Yes, they're not, you're not just going to pop up on an old man's feed. Yes. Highly unlikely. I feel a little bit more protected on Instagram. and But, yes, it is getting more aggressive and I take it a bit more personally on Instagram, whereas TikTok, it gets wild on TikTok and I don't care at all. Like yes, because you feel like they're strangers. They're strangers. Yeah, they're from other countries and stuff, yes. I think it's because TikTok moves faster, like it's quicker and it's just like there's always something else popping up really quickly. So yeah, and that could be part of it. And I own identity in the comments. It's not about you anymore. Once somebody comments something really vile, I feel like they're never invested enough to continue coming back. They'll drop an awful comment and keep going. Whereas yep. someone on Instagram, they're like, "No, nah, I'm going to stay." Yeah, I'm in this for the long haul. Mm-hmm. I'm in this. I'm for invested. The long- yeah, mm-hmm. and then you start getting like a photo from 1985 gets <laughs> liked and comments done, and you're like, "Oh, here we go." <laughs> I went onto my husband's Instagram the other day because he'd sent me something. He's posted like 12 photos ever in, you know, 15 years or whatever. <laughs> and, um, and I was scrolling back through his old photos and there was a photo from like 2013 and nobody had liked it. So I liked it for him. <laughs> he, he sent me a text message going, what What are these pity likes you're doing? <laughs> you're like, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I said, I just felt bad for you. And he's like, I don't want your pity likes. Just oh, like, that's so cute. His Instagram would be so different to yours. Very, very different. Yeah. yeah. There's like a photo of him fishing and like. <laughs> he's quite cute though. I saw a photo that you posted of the whole family. Funny, we've been together since I was 18 and um, what I've always loved, so I've always, I've loved the gays for my whole life. I just love the gays, okay? The gays mm. love me. We we are on the same. I'm with you, sister. Yeah. Um, someone told me once that I'm, I, I have a queer heart and I was like, that's true. I think I do. Oh. If I could be a lesbian, I would. It would be so, I just would enjoy it a lot more. But unfortunately, I'm not. But what I've always loved is that the gays, they love me, but. Oh, they love my husband. (laughs) They love him so much. And so we met, we were working both in hospitality. I was working in room service at a hotel in Sydney and he was um, in concierge. And, of course, in food and beverage in hospitality, they're all gay. And they'd come upstairs to room service and go, 
I just saw your boyfriend in the change room. Give me a lowdown of wearing, and oh my god, I loved it. So, and it, he's quite shy, so it's always making him feel very self conscious and like, oh, okay. Really? I was going to say, does he like it? It's not that he dislikes; it. he just d- dislikes attention in general. Gotcha. Yeah. And I like to rub it in even more just to make him extra uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, oh, you want to offer him up, put him out, like, <laughs> come and get him, boys. Where did your Where did your little redhead gene come from? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. I love it. I love uh, these stories of, you know, often they say that the the redhead gene is on its way out. And like, you look around and you're like, no, it's not. It oh, pops no. back up, it doesn't it? You know? Once you have a redhead, you see them everywhere. It's like yeah. all of a sudden um, yeah. unlocks, opens your eyes and you're like, they're everywhere. Yeah. Because um, it's funny because she was red from the minute she was born. Like she came out and I looked at her like after a couple of hours when you're like, oh, what's happened? And I went. Like, that's really red. She, yeah. she was really red. Yeah, and, like, um, no doubt. There was no doubt. <laughs> my mother-in-law walked in and she just looked at her and she went, doesn't come from my side. And I was like, oh, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> I'm like um, you're trying to disown her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't know where that gene's come from. I immediately started to research the genes and you have to have it on both sides. You have to exactly. have Exactly. Really? You have to have Did she love that when you pointed that out? Like, yes. Um, so I was like, there, it does come from your side, actually. Um, it comes from both of our sides. And one other cool thing about genes, did you know there are only genetically two hair colours? Brown. So blondes are a really light brown. Black hair is a really dark brown. And red. Red is its a colour wow. of its own. So oh, wow. That's really interesting. Yes. So I tell my you know, when I'm, I'm a hairdresser, so is Claude. And when I, Claude used to come into my salon and I'd bleach her hair and I would say to her, it just bleaches different. It bleaches so different to any other hair. It's but all, I didn't really it's all that pigment. Like, it's all that pigment that's going to get through. It's the only different colour. Yeah. She's so like, she's got this beautiful blonde streak, right? It's like her Princess Anna streak that comes from the back. Oh. And I, when I'm blow drying her hair, I get mesmerised by it because yeah. there's so many different colours all in the back. Yeah. And, oh, she's so lucky. There, I've asked yeah. my hairdresser a number of times, can you can you do my hair red? And she's like, oh, it'll never come out like that. Yeah, it, it just yeah, won't yeah, look yeah. the same. I'll say that to redheads. I'm like, people want that colour hair all the time. Especially when they're little, you know, when they're children, it's just beautiful. It's so, it's so beautiful yeah. and beautiful and gorgeous. And, yeah. What I wanted to ask you is I didn't realise before following you that you're also a journalist, a political journalist. Well, it was. Not an army blogger journalist, a <laughs> political journalist. Yeah, yeah. And that is really slay because mm-hmm. I, I just think that it's it gives you such such depth and also like you know your shit. You know, you're not just going, you're not like me, you're going, I'm going to be political about this, guys. What's the Prime Minister's <laughs> name? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your career as a, as a political journalist mm. and how you sort of transitioned to becoming a public identity. Born and raised in Sydney, met my husband in Sydney. We're both from Sydney. He was in defence and transferred down to Canberra. At the time, I had just finished my degree. I didn't become a journalist straight away after school. I'm a bit oblivious to my own skills and talents sometimes. And so after school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went to uni and did HR. Mm. (laughs) A lot of people go and do HR and then go, what? Same with commerce? I hated every minute of it. Mm. I finished it, got a job in it, hated every minute of it, ended up working for Macquarie Bank, 
<laughs> oh, they've got my mortgage. Are they bad? <laughs> oh, it just sort of seems like the most boring of all the banks, Macquarie. I don't know oh, what it is. The people that I worked with were lovely. My boss was evil. She basically forced me to quit and I quit because I just couldn't work with her anymore. And as I was leaving, I was, I was talking to um, this a friend of mine and I was like, who I worked with, I can't stay in this industry. I hate it so much. I'm so miserable and I don't, but I don't know what else to do. And she was the one that was like, Lauren, you're a really good writer. And I was like, oh, thank you. She's like, no. And this was just based on work emails and stuff. She's like, I crack up at your emails. Mm. You're such a talented writer. Why don't you go into something like journalism? It had never occurred to me. And I was like, I think I really like that. And she was like, yeah. So I immediately applied to do my master's at UTS. And the first day that I had a class, I just went, oh, my God. Wow. This was what I was supposed to be doing. Wow. And I loved it. Is it to point out to people when you notice a skill in them? I, I remember someone telling me that I was a great writer from letters from when I was traveling and I'd seen her emails. And I just really felt seen or inspired to become better. And, and it really, yeah, it really changed my course, I think. And that was just one person. And I always try to remind myself to point out things that I know you see a strength yeah I think great things about people all day every day and I don't fucking say it you know Mm. absolutely it really can like it it literally changed my life I don't know that I would have come to the conclusion by myself yeah imagine if she hadn't have said anything you know like yeah yeah. when I decided to start a blog a mummy blog I mentioned it to one of my girlfriends and she was like oh my god I can imagine already what it will be like like really witty and funny irreverent you know musings of motherhood and I was like Oh, okay, I hadn't thought about making it funny. And look, I'm being serious here. And you were like, that's what you see in me. Yeah. And, and that's I, just so inspiring. I had just in my head thought, oh, no, but a mummy blog is quite serious and it's quite like reflective. Yeah. I was like, no, it's going to be really funny. Yeah. I was like, that's a really good idea. I should do that. <laughs> so anyway, I went to uni, absolutely friggin' loved every minute of it. I wanted to go into print, but a, a lecturer that I had was like, don't be silly, you belong on TV. And I went, uh, she got me a job at Channel 10 in Sydney. I started working in the video library, which was, you know, before they had, I guess, I'm assuming it's all digital, you know, now. They had actual v- VHS cassettes. So someone would come and go, I'm doing mm. a story on Constance Hall. So yeah. I would have to go and go through all the, the VCRs of, of footage of Constance wow. to then put in, which was funny. And then when my husband um, was transferred down to Canberra, 10 offered me a spot in there bureau in the press gallery as a producer for Paul Bongiorno, who was for the Meet the Press program that he did. Yeah. I had no idea about politics, no interest, nothing. Didn't but follow like, politics at all? You weren't? No? No. no. Yeah. Um, oh. I was like, like just a normal person, I guess. But because we were moving to Canberra, I was like, well, I have to get a job and that's a pretty good place to get a job. So it was a real baptism of fire. I got there and um, so my job was when Paul was hosting a show I had to research the topic and then send out like research packs to the guests that were going to come on so that everybody could be on the same page about what they were talking about and so my job for months and months was to research absolutely everything about every political issue that was happening Mm. was a really great way to educate myself but it also gave me a lot of empathy for people who say I don't know anything about politics or it's very boring or I'm not interested and because I started to find it really fascinating. And I was like, that's just because nobody's explained it to you properly or, yes. 
people sort of, I found a lot of the journalists in the press gallery, especially the senior journos, they've got quite a superior attitude to Mm. what they write about. And it's basically, if you don't already understand this issue, that's not my problem. Mm. you know feel yeah you're not one of the this isn't for you this isn't for you because you you don't understand yeah that's how I've always felt about politics and it's interesting because I do find your content to be put in a way that is very palpable for me to understand it's not like a lot of people where every third word is a word that only three percent of the world gets and like for example my brother is just like reminding me but my brother is a scientist and he wrote a paper and he said can you read it because this paper is not for the uni, this paper's for the public, and yeah, if you don't right. understand it, that's right. then I'm failing. And and I think that's so important. It is so important. And because I, I hate the idea, and it's a, re- it's a really important issue and I'm quite passionate about it, when people treat politics like that's not for me, that's a really dangerous situation to be yep. in. This is how situations like Israel and Palestine come to be because people yep. go, I don't understand it, therefore I'll stay out of it. Yes. Mm. And certain levels of society will perpetuate that because they'll go, yes, you don't understand it, so you should stay out of it, and therefore mm. no one will question it. Because it benefits yes. them, yeah. Of course. And, and that's how you know, powerful people get away with shit because they're like, nobody's going to pay attention. And so I think it's very important, you know, I, during the last federal election I did a lot of stories um, and explainers about how to vote. It sounds really silly, but there were people. No, who it's it's not. Yeah, and this is Lauren. I only enrolled to vote when my blog got big because I knew that I would get caught <laughs> not voting, and people would say to me, "You you don't get an opinion on anything because you don't vote." But you know, I didn't vote. A, I didn't know how, but my mum would have explained it to me. It, and B, it was because I felt like anything that happens anyway is going is not going to help me yeah it's you know what I mean like it's not going to change my life it's not going to help me either way they're all so fucking corrupt I find it so depressing you know a lot of people also think that their vote isn't going to make much of a difference as well I've had a lot of people say that to me and I think that's I think I think it's really important for people to know that like we've seen in America things go bad real quick you know like with Trump and stuff and so Mm. if you want to keep even though you have to pick the best out of a bad batch but if you want to keep things from slipping that fast, you have to, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, I kind of changed my opinion on that as I got a bit older and and now I vote. <laughs> I, I need someone to break down American politics into a simple language for me because it's. American politics, <sighs> politics is ridiculous. It's a broken it is system. So com- it, yeah. It needs to be fixed. Our system is quite good and it can be quite good. Mm. There are a lot of problems with it, obviously. One of the huge problems, which we're seeing quite now, right now, is that people come into politics bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Mm. They're so, you and know, and, students, and yeah. after an election we used to, so we used to do Senate or, or Rep's doors, which is you stand outside the doors of Parliament as they're coming in the morning and you, you know, ask them questions. And so when there'd be people coming in on their first day, they'd all be like, oh. And then so <laughs> you're like, oh, bless Lord. Ideas <laughs> and they're so, like, motivated. And then... You know, you'd be there every morning of the year and you'd just watch them slowly get more and more <laughs> otherwise defeated, yeah. more and more arrogant and more and more like I just want my two minutes on the television this evening so wow. I'm going to come out with a really snappy quote so that you'll put that on the news and it, it just became really like, oh, I'm just 
I had high hopes for you and this is, this is who <laughs> so, you are. Why does that happen? Like as someone who, who knows more than I do, that's for sure, I'm a Labor voter and what happened with Albanese? Like how can someone change so much from being, is it corruption? Are they being bribed? Are they being they just get um, worn down? Like, how do they go so fucking far, like from one end to another? They have a party and their party, you know, is they'll always say the party is a broad church, which means there are people from, you know, all sides. And they just get like harassed into doing things that the party wants them to do. And I don't know, I was saying just to my mum last night, we were watching the news together. I was like, I'm I've never been so disappointed in somebody. I mean, there are so many of them where you're like, oh well, I can see that coming or Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you can see it early on. They just yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I knew Albo when he was like Minister for Industry, like back in like, mm. but he's had so many portfolios. But I was in Parliament House in 2010. That's when I started. And he was just always a really nice guy. I'm I'm from Marrickville in Sydney, which is his Oh, really? Like, yeah. So he was just always that local boy, just really rough around the edges, a bit of a, you know, a bit of a rebel, just a nice guy. And Penny Wong also, oh, my mm. loveliest. I thought she was such a kick-ass I woman. Loved really? She was so nice to me. And, and I what's just, happened? I, like- I don't know. It's so, you know, I saw it. My undying love is for Julia Gillard. I was there when she took the position from or was forced to take the position from yeah. Kevin Rudd, and I watched her become a different person Mm. I'm thinking out of self-protection because Mm. if you ever spoke to her off camera, she was, you know, those people you meet and you're like, you're a good person. I can feel your heart, warm, kind, would give you, you know, all the time in the world, genuinely cared about things. But then the camera would switch on and she was like a robot. And we'd all watch her and go, what is she doing? Why is she speaking? Why isn't she saying what she thinks? And it's because they've got a whole team behind them, media advisors, chiefs of staff, all of their policy advisors going, this is what you need to say. Don't yeah. say it like this because the media will pick it apart like that. And it's true. I mean, that happened to her every time she opened her mouth. She would get mm-hmm. destroyed in the media. They would just rip apart every facial expression, every hand gesture. Oh, it was so it was cruel, so cruel. like So awful. And it changed who she was and, it, and it, mm. it stopped her being, you know, you think back to the days like Bob Hawke, he was a loose cannon, right? He's a legend. I mean, I remember walking through Senate Courtyard once and there was Bob Hawke and Joe Hockey, who was the um, mm. treasurer at the time for the government, on the Liberal treasurer and um, Bob Hawke's having cigars in the Senate Courtyard because everybody loved him. All sides of politics loved him. And that's because mm. he just said what he wanted. Yep. And that was accepted. And I think that era of politics where we actually had people with character and conviction and they were unafraid to do things that were unpopular because it was just the right thing to do, that's gone. And now they're so, they're just playing by the rules. They don't set the rules. Someone else sets the rules. And that's, I think, a problem for all of us when you think the Prime Minister is not. Do you think that that's because that is largely you know, because of social media and, and the internet and the fact that people are just torn down no matter what they do, is that wasn't around back then. So I'd like to blame social media, but then you look at social media right now and he's getting destroyed on social media for something that he could change really easily. Like every post mm. he puts up, 
is flooded with comments about Palestine. Yeah, and it doesn't, just, yeah, doesn't. Every time he speaks, it's like you're not listening at all. You're not paying attention at all to any yeah. of it. So I think it's yeah. actually more to do with the traditional media and the stronghold the traditional media has right. over. It's interesting because traditional media doesn't get anywhere near as many views, but it also, but it comes yeah. with that credibility that people are more swayed by. Even like when someone's on TV, they might get 300,000 views on that TV show. Someone on TikTok might get 20 million views, but people consider that television person a star. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I still find that really weird and maybe it's going to take 20 years for the world to sort of uh, update with that. But, you know, I always think about it. Do you remember that guy from, was it Midnight Oil? Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Remember him in a doco saying that, like, once someone handed him 20 grand cash. I can't remember what it was about, but he was saying, no, I don't want to do that. That's really like about some policy. Nah, Mm. it's not right. It's not right. And he said that they handed him 20 grand and it was a a shut the fuck up kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I always think back about that. And I think he's the one person that said something. Spoken out like that, yeah. Imagine what, like, because he had a bit of a rock star heart, obviously, so he wasn't completely, you know, a politician. But imagine what what goes on that we don't know about. Yeah. And I think like when I think about things like Palestine, I think, that people would be getting bribed, but then I wonder are they also being threatened if they're not taking the the bribes? Like, Do you think it could be that sinister? I think it's a, maybe, but I think it's also just self-preservation. They want to keep their job and, and they want to stay where they are and not be attacked for it because they're afraid of it. And there are very few people who are strong enough to withstand that. And I was saying to somebody recently that I think the last person I can think of that never once wavered from their morals and their ethics and their values was Bob Brown, the head of the Greens, that hilarious tree-hugging old man that just, he was just like, fuck everyone, all the time, like every time. (laughs) give a fuck. (laughs) What a legend. This very softly spoken, gentle, gentleman who just gave no fucks about the whole institution and he's obviously left now which is a shame yeah there are very few of those people that have come through and I can't think of really anybody maybe Maureen Fariki at the moment the green senator who's about Palestine who's Mm. probably getting a lot of shit about Um, oh I see they're slamming something that I also thought was pretty cool about you that I wanted to ask you about was that I am one of those sort of newcomers and admit that while I always knew that there was something awful happening in Palestine, you know, my mum used to tell me stuff like that, I didn't know anywhere near what I know now. But I noticed that you'd been advocating for Palestine since before October 7, unlike the rest of us. Uh, where did that start and how did that start? That started back in 2021. Uh, was it May or March of 2021? There was a an 11-day assault on Gaza. And I think it's really important that people are comfortable in saying I didn't know but yes. now I do okay yes I think a lot I'm of people learning are, oh, I'm educating myself yeah if I don't know I don't know and mm. I don't know or you know I've always known but people have <laughs> oh, well, I'm confused I know it's confusing but still yeah, yeah. But I'm, yeah. I'm willing to find out and yep. I posted because of social media because I knew nothing I like less than nothing but because of social media the, it, I kept on seeing these mentions of Gaza and I saw that these children had been killed. And I was like, that's horrific. So I put had up. Had you had children then? Is that maybe why? Yeah. Like, you know, like because there's there's been so much happening there for so long. But also, did you have a profile then? I had three kids. Yes, I had a profile. 
had no idea that it was controversial. I just saw that wow. children had been killed and that was obviously enough. Yeah. Not controversial. So I put up a single slide and it had a list of all the, you know, the names because it was 60 kids. And at the time, 60 kids felt like an enormous amount of children. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I put up saying something, does anybody it is, know? It is an enormous a, amount of children. Yeah. Does anybody know of a reputable charity that I could donate to? That was it. That was all I asked. And I got slammed. Wow. Such vicious, aggressive. I remember so clearly. I would have knocked you off your seat. You wouldn't have been prepared for that at all. What the fuck Mm. is going on? What? Mm. Why are people angry at me? I wanted to donate to a charity. Mm. And I remember there was one message in particular that really, like it was like a punch in the stomach. Obviously, I was a bit more sensitive then. Right now, it's like. (laughs) But it was, don't worry about those children, Lauren. There are other children in the world for you to care about. You can't help them. And I was like, what? I remember bursting into tears thinking, who says shit like that? And this was an Australian Australian woman and I know that she had followed me Mm. for a while and I was like, you are by all accounts like just an average person. How could you say that to me with like a straight Mm. face? Like you think that that's a a genuine, Mm. legitimate thing to say. So I was so repulsed. All of the rest of the message was like, you don't understand what you're talking about. You know, these people are terrorists, blah, 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 blah. And because I'm me, like I know that a lot of people would be like, oh, back away. I was like, no, I'm leaning right into this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Because that's just, you tell me I'm not allowed to speak about something and I will not shut up. Like that is. Oh, no, I've seen. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's amazing because yeah, that's what the world needs more of that. It, you know, the way to get you to shut up is to tell you that, yeah, you can keep talking about this. It's fine. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> shut yeah. that, that would be a really effective way to do it. But to tell me you are unqualified to speak about, you don't know what you're talking about. I was like, <laughs> here she goes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Give me a minute. Because I'll go and make sure I know what I'm talking about. And you did that so well, so thoroughly. Even your, like, thing when people said you didn't know where Gaza was, I think they were trying to call you a mummy blogger or maybe oh, they were what? offending me. Yeah. Uh, and you did that video and it was just like, I'm like, mate, don't underestimate this bitch. Yeah. She also, is kick back. I mean, there were, you know, people were commenting like, oh, oh she's just quickly done a Google. And the point is maybe uh, what yeah, if I maybe you have, have, Maybe you haven't. Maybe you did in in twenty twenty one. You know, well, it wouldn't like, matter. It, mm. it wouldn't matter, and I and I hate this yeah, it, concept of oh, if you don't know about it, you're not allowed to care about it. No, I'm sorry. If you're a human being, you're allowed to care about it. You don't need to know the history. If you wanted to start on October seven, it's still the most atrocious, horrendous, horrific. Like it's just, it's got nothing to do with how knowledgeable you are or how invested you were or when you jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah, whether you did a degree in Israel and fucking, you know, like it's just like, oh, fuck how, off. This, you how know, qualified do you need to be to be yeah. horrified by what's yeah. happening? Yeah. Um, and so I, I made sure to educate myself and it didn't take long. Like mm-hmm. it didn't take because mm. you read. It's probably the stupidest thing they could say to you, oh, isn't it? It really is. Oh, educate yourself. It's like, well, okay, now cool. I have. And now, that, and now that I have, it doesn't look good for you. Yeah. Because <laughs> you read one article on the UN website, one article from Amnesty International, mm. one article from Human Rights Watch, and it's like, 
I really trust all of these organisations. They all say yes. terrible. Like this mm. is an apartheid. Mm. Yes, it is. An occupation. And you can have Sky News saying that you're a hero as much as you want, but all these other organisations mm. are just saying so. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Something different. How fun is Sky News Con? We're you are we're part of the axis of evil. So I find it weird that that like woman, like that woman who does that. Is it Shari? Shari Markson. Sh- yeah, I I never followed Sky News or anything, knew anything about them. But like I was watching her and I was just going, I didn't even know I shared a country with people that think that you can just tear people down to make them shut the fuck up about your genocide. You know, like it's. Insane. Does she get to go and have and go to parties and do people chat to her and go, so, you know, like how do you talk to people? How do you even relate if you want kids to die? It's so fucking weird. Well, obviously they only hang around with people that have the same yeah, yeah. beliefs. So who is this? You've got to inform me. Who is this woman? So she works she's for like, Sky News. Sky reporter. Is it actually on TV? Yeah, on, on like Foxtel? Yeah. But they've got an Instagram page. It's all Murdoch-owned and she sits yeah. at her panel like a proper reporter and she just bags us and anyone that speaks about Palestine. Really? Like, it's awful. Yeah, I'll send you some links. It's, it's awful. It's the cognitive dissonance that's happening on that desk is wild to witness. And it's, mm. it makes you feel dirty. You watch it and just go, no. Really? How did you do that? Why do people think you have any intelligence whatsoever? It's really. There has to be a takedown of it. There, there's no accountability ever, like ever. Yeah, for the Sky news, news, they have no authority or legitimacy. Like yeah, nobody's right. watching Sky News. So it's not like it's angry old white men that would have already believed everything those, she was saying. Facebook. Like, those Facebook guys. <laughs> well, I think it's funny. Like, you know, they say you don't learn anything from getting screamed out on the internet, yet, blah, 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 blah. And I'm an internet screamer, so I don't listen to that. But I must say <laughs> that, um, that there is something to be said that when these, like, Zionists are going us really hard, I didn't want to make this whole thing about Palestine, so we will move on. But when they're going us really hard, it does just make you madder and it just does just make you more fierce. Whereas when... Like they come to you and they go, they're prepared to listen and talk. There's nothing I could say that they don't already know. Do you know what I mean? But I do feel like that. Right. Who's ever come to you and wanted to listen? <laughs> no one. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. But I do feel like they're not fucking getting anywhere. It's like hitting mm. their heads against brick walls. Like none of us are ever going to go, oh, okay, you're right. You You should be allowed they should be allowed to do the IDF are heroes like it's just yeah to me it's it's fucking weird but I do think it's awesome that people like you speak about this because and me because it shows that you do not have to be a Muslim you don't have to be from the Middle East or be a politician or but you know what I mean it shows that like because so many people make got that there was that rumor going around that the issue was too complicated to talk about Mm -hmm. and so of course I you know I am really good at knowing when I'm gonna get 
slammed for and really sort of got like delving into things before I go there because I just don't tip my dip my toes in the water with a lot of topics. I cannot be fucked. But on this one, I needed to actually figure it out. And then I came back full circle and went, no, not complicated at all. And and there is nothing that you could say to me or anyone that would say it's okay. Don't you think it's like, it doesn't matter how complicated it could possibly be. And I hate that about this scenario because it makes people really question their own moral compass and really question their instincts that say, I don't want like I'm I just not think, okay with yeah, that. A mother as mm. well. Like how could a mother ever? I get really baffled by the comments like, "Oh, what if this happened to you?" Or, "But there are, you know, still hostages in there," which is terrible. The hostages should be released on both sides. Absolutely, Palestinian and um, Israeli hostages. But I still think, okay, but is that your excuse? It, do you believe that having somebody murdered means ten thousand children need? to be murdered in like that make you feel better yeah it how could that possibly make you feel better because I know that if something happened to my children god forbid it would kill me right but watching another mother go through that pain wouldn't help me at all Mm -mm. be worse you know yeah that's why I wonder how how do these people have they been that the propaganda been that strong that they have their in humanity and instincts have been altered yeah. to take pleasure in another woman's pain? Mm. I watched something that said that in order to dehumanize other people so profoundly, you have to have dehumanized yourself. Mm. You have to have removed the humanity from yourself in order to do that. Because if you are a human being, you cannot watch little children suffering. You're crying for their dead mothers. You can't watch that and not be affected. And if you are not affected, then something is is quite broken in you. I wonder if that's repairable. I wonder. And, you know, this is something I swing between feeling utterly gutted, horrified, devastated, emotionally traumatised and also deeply fascinated. I am quite looking forward to in the future when – psychologists start to dissect and analyze and figure out what happened to these people how does such a large group act in a, you know in this way right it's going to be it's interesting really agree. we've spoken about this yeah like it's like when you when you hear about a gang rape or you know two people murdering someone mm. and you think what like in what world did one person become a psychopath mm. and have mm. something and then manage to find someone else. Yeah, at what point do they switch and go, oh, okay, yeah. And then, but then you see, like, you know that amazing, is it Greg Stoker? Yeah, love him. Yeah, yeah. oh, he's great. He's, like, off Wayne's World or something. <laughs> like, he's, yeah. like, dude. And, uh, Claude, he's an ex-military American that, like, yeah, yeah. dissects. And he's really pro-Palestine. He's, he's really clever. He shared some more group messages yesterday. Mm from a Zionist group, something about 72 virgins. I'm not sure. It, it was, was a mockery. Yeah. It was a snuff channel. They were watching oh, snuff. Yeah. It was a snuff channel. That's what it was. Oh. And for how many people do we – so that's what I'm, I'm I'm really – and I think you're right, the zoomed-out lens, if we go into the future and we go mm, yeah. like – how, but but it scares me, and it has made me realize that this world is not the world that I thought it was. If there are if there there are WhatsApp groups that are that big with that many people cheering on the death of children, um, and and making jokes and thinking that they're funny and patting each other on the back for me, that that's not 
the world I thought we were living in, that's for sure. And that's, I think, been incredibly hard for me because I felt like I had a really good handle on how the world worked. And justice and politics. I felt like I knew where the good guys were. I knew yeah. that everybody had faults in it, but I, I felt like I had a general idea of how we would swing on things. And this has upended everything and mm-hmm. it's been really discombobulating. Like I can't quite get my bearings over what this means now and, and, and how we move forward and how the world looks from now on because I feel like it's going to look really different. Very different. I think a lot of people feel like that. But I heard this quote the other day that I thought really resonated with me and it was, we don't speak up in order to change the world. We speak up so that the world doesn't change us. And it's a way to, like, it's a reminder every day of who I am, of my humanity, and that no matter what is happening around me, I refuse to become dehumanised myself. Mm. So it's like your little act of rebelliousness. Mm. I will not change. I will not become apathetic to what I'm watching. I will not be resigned to what it is I will be my little one woman parade if I need to <laughs> because that's how I remind myself who I am I love that Do you know what else I think because it gets it's so easy to go oh what's the point they don't stop they never stop I think it's really important to always remember that like every movement whether it's women voting or whether it's ending you know slave labor every movement that actually happened had like a hundred years or more of people say planting the seeds and saying that you know but the voices weren't loud enough movement wasn't big enough yet and so if we weren't then we're not putting those wheels in motion for whatever you know happens in the future and you know we might not be able to be the victorious ones that run through the streets going the wars ended but at least we know we played a role yeah absolutely and i i'm one of those people i'm always like living in the future i like to think of when things are over because that helps me keep going and I like to think, it, you know, this will end and I will be able to feel good about myself, that I did what I could in the yeah. same way as the people who protested against the war in Vietnam. And mm-hmm. you know, this has happened so many times over history where people have protested and spoken up and people have thought that they were drug addicts and hippies and, you know, idiots mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. History corrects itself yeah it has a way of washing it all out it does it has a way of going no you were on the right side of history and mm. you know, that's like that whole phrase is about that are you on the right side of history because this will be history and where where did you stand mm-hmm. as it's happening mm. and mm. i just have to keep reminding myself no because i'm convinced are you not convinced constance i'm convinced that it will end up that people will be like, wow, that was really terrible. That was. Yes. yes. Yeah. At one point I wasn't. At one point I was scared because I was mm. thinking, you know, the gatekeepers of history are the the misogynist, the the patriarchy. They, they decide what we remember and all the rest of it. Mm. But now that so many voices, they can't be, you know, and I think it's been incredible that so many people have gone, I don't want this. Mm. Um, and also I think about my children and I was going to ask you how you speak to your children about the war because I think to myself, even if you took, Instagram away from me or Facebook away from me and and everyone else that speaks about it you can't change the fact that we are raising children who are watching everything and that's yep. the next generation and they're going to grow and that up that generation already and, sees you know, it they, they really do see. they all see it you know so I, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's the young people that most of the old people are scared of. You know, oh, it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. I did. Um, I was invited to speak at the student rally in Canberra here. So, and I was like, how do I speak to a bunch of kids? Because <laughs> awesome. Like, Hello, I'm a very old lady. But um, <laughs> did you start like you know trying to sound cool? Were you going yo? And that would have been like Mill. <laughs> I, I stopped trying to sound a very long time ago. Milk. I know that. that the more cool I try to act, the the worse it gets. Um, <laughs> if you feel yourself doing it, and you're like. Yeah. Stop it, Lauren. Stop, stop. Um, like, you know, like with my nephews and stuff, I'm like, oh, my God, I know every lyric of Gangster's Paradise. Just test it. <laughs> and they're like, okay, go. Like, Filming okay. it. Oh, what year were you born in? 81. 81. I was born in 83. I was going to say, I know every lyric of that fucking song too. And Vanilla Ice, stop. Um, But I said to these kids, I stood up there and I said, I am an old person standing here asking you, please, to not be like us. We're counting on you because we know you're going to do it better. And I let them know that the people in power are very scared of them. I mean, you look in America, they're all up in arms about co- college campuses and what are the kids doing. They wouldn't be worried. And the young people graph, you know, they did that graph of who wants a ceasefire and who doesn't, and the young people did and they're fucking terrified. In yeah. America, did they? And they act like, oh, they're just young people, we don't need to worry about them. But they do because mm-hmm. they voters and yes. and I know that in Australia they're they are terrified of young people. But guys they, Trump will have some grandkids that'll just, you know, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got paying their got, way out of everything. I got a Zionist troll when I looked her up. She was a fifteen year old school student. Um and I was like, why are you messaging a forty two year old woman? Like why? <laughs> <laughs> Is it her mum? <laughs> you no, it was like you get a hobby um but I know that they are terrified of of young people because they know that young people are just not listening to them and they're making up their own minds and that's terrifying for them because old people Mm. are setting their ways and and you can tell them the rain the you know the sky is falling in and they'll be like oh it is and young kids will be like um let me do a deep dive on this that's right and they're not part of they're not in a system yet, so they're not reliant yes. on money and bosses and authorities. They actually are looking for a reason to rebel. That's part of their hormones, isn't it? It's like and they want to. They've grown up also in this generation of of communication, you know, through social media. And, you know, there are a couple of kids on TikTok and they're kids. They are incredible you give them one piece of misinformation and they will rip it to shreds mm. and they will give, mm. give this dissertation on why it's wrong. And I'm like blown away by these kids. Mm. That's their thing. So like, I'm going to be a TikTok star. And they do. On all of the misinformation coming from Israel. And like good on them because they're doing just an incredible yeah. job. They're, they're, if they were not on your side, they'd be terrifying. That's so true because there's a lot of them and they only listen to each other. They're not fucking listening to old people. (laughs) And they shouldn't be. Honestly, they shouldn't be. Like old people have stuffed it up so very badly that we just need them to come in and just fix it all. (laughs) Yeah. I I have really high hopes for them. I think they have their hearts in the right places. And although it's funny you're saying like we're raising kids and I think (laughs) think I'm – 
my kids might rebel against me because they're like, oh, mum's going to another protest. Um, but I'm like, they might, not down. they might not go to protest, but their deep down morals will be in line. But you're right. They won't, they won't go to fucking protest. They'll be like, fuck that. Yeah, we're not going to be seeing dead with you. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, um, it's funny because I bought my daughter a book um, about child activists and it's like looking at the childhood mm. of activists throughout history. So, you know, learning about like Malala and, oh, I don't know, there's a whole book of them. They're great. Um, but it's funny because I'm trying to like push her into like human rights and stuff and she's very, um, very committed and dedicated to the rights of First Nations people because we are Wiradjuri. But her real thing is the environment and she scares me <laughs> because <laughs> we call her the eco-terrorist because if she sees a building oh, going up, really? she's like, I want to push that building down. It needs to, we ha- need to have the trees planted there and I'm like she's going to go out and blow up buildings so she can plant wow um, for Halloween she's a little gritter she is she is that's awesome poison ivy you know the comic book character poison ivy yeah yeah Um, because it's she's like a little redhead but also she if she could kill people with plants she would (laughs) (laughs) but she I love that I think that's so cool you know what I mean though that she has that same moral thing as you but she's just choosing her identity yeah i think that's um, gorgeous i mean obviously we try to be eco-conscious but she hasn't gotten that from us that's all her yeah yeah. she's all about i'm like that like i try but i'm not i'm not not obsessed i'm just waiting for her to become a teenager where she starts to really yeah come hard on us like why yeah how could you do this and, Look what yeah, you've done yeah. to our world, our planet. <laughs> she will. She will. She's oh, terrifying. Yeah. Your kids have your number, mate. Like they, they're the only people in the world that if they want to embarrass you, mm. Billy even says to me, she's like, I'm not going to embarrass you, mum, so I'm not going to tell everyone what I know you're lying about now. And I'm just like, stop, <laughs> please. You see stop. me. <laughs> I, wonder if that's, I wonder if that's girls though because that will be my daughter. She, that's already her. But my son, who is 10, he just loves me. Oh, like, he's oh. just and, yeah. and I can't, I can't see him changing. I know he probably will, but he's just like, whatever. I got you, mum. Oh, how beautiful! Aww. My daughter. Um, and so, how do your kids feel? Like, obviously, when they go to school and stuff, do their parent, do their friends, parents know who you are? And be like, do you get, do you ever get any? Do they ever come home and go, "Mom, you put me on Instagram"? Or, um, not my son, because I, I don't think boys talk about anything mm, mm. personal, like. Uh, one of his best friends, like, their mum had a baby. And I was like, oh, was it a boy or a girl? And he's like, oh, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> like, you didn't even ask that. Like, <laughs> my daughter would come home and she would have every detail, like what time she gave birth, how the she gave weight, birth. Like, like how the delivery <laughs> went. Yeah. <laughs> like, girls, girls go deep, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we love the details. I don't ever really talk about Instagram with my kids or social media. They're just really quite unaware of it. But I know that my daughter has had friends who have said things, but very like innocently. I have found um, school mums and that really lovely. Oh, wow. Really kind, supportive, really like non-intrusive. Although I do sometimes, you know, when they walk past and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like going, just say it, just say yeah. it. So, yeah. um, because I prefer when people come up and go, oh, I follow you. And you're like, oh, that's me too. Rather than the whispering, it can give you anxiety. Mm. You know, that everywhere you go, people are going, oh, that's her. Is it her? And then they look at their phone to see if it's you. And then they look back at you. And really? It's just like, it happens every time. It's just, 
But then someone comes up to you and goes, oh, I, or they like break that seal in the beginning and go, yeah, I know. Like, cause otherwise I feel like I don't know if you already know things. Like I'll go, oh, I have six children. And then they'll be like, oh, really? I know and everything about you. Yeah. And that they follow me and that they know all that stuff. And I've been an idiot. So in the beginning, if they say in the beginning, I like it. I don't know. It's just a weird personal thing. No, I'm like that as well. Sometimes even when I know people follow me and I'll tell them something that I've already done in my stories, but I don't want to assume that they've watched oh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I still have to do a little recap. How about when you know they follow you but they're not, like, saying that they follow you? Like, <laughs> it's pretending they don't. You're like, you're pretending they don't follow you. <laughs> Let me tell you the worst that I ever happened and I was so – had to go and have an ultrasound. It was an external ultrasound, but halfway through she was like, we're going to have to go internal. And I was like, oh, nice. okay. I wasn't prepared for that. But let's, <laughs> let's do it anyway. And you know, Colin, how it is when you just get a feeling. I left and very well, like Maybe that's why she wanted to do the internal. <laughs> I looked up and I was like, oh, my God, she follows me. And <laughs> I sent a message to one of my friends. I'm like, oh, my God, one of my followers just stuck a wand inside my my." <laughs> and, and And he was just like, wow, you've had a follower inside you. And I, I know, right? Like, <laughs> I... Yeah. They didn't say anything. They were just like. She did not mention it. Um, she did mention the vagina. Like, what did she talk about, like the weather or something? <laughs> I think that's what it was. She, I think she just sounded a little familiar about my kids or something that made me go. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, sometimes when people. I totally know what you mean. Will bring up topics that they know will resonate with you. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's so creepy. Yeah. Why would you just say it's because I follow you? Like, you like, back. And you'll be like, oh, how do you know I was gone? And my um, agent <laughs> said to me once that when in, in 2016, when I got really big over the year and I thought I was a celebrity, I thought I was always going to be a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> but my agent goes, when people, um, and she was a small-time agent because she was a Perth agent, there's no celebs here, but all of a sudden all these like um, people wanted to work with me from Sydney and Melbourne. And she goes, it's funny when people email me about you as opposed to any of my other clients, they will drop in a little swear word. It'll be like, how fucking hard is kid life? Sorry, you know, like, sorry, can't chat. The fucking kids have, you know, and, and she would say it happens every time. And I swear it's because they want me to go, oh, can you like her? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like one of your kind of people. I know when, like, when we're out and about, if people start to loud parent their children, you know, like suddenly they're parenting their children, but at full volume. And they'll always make it sound a bit like, oh, come on, it's I'm very cranky now. Or something. Like they'll try to make it sound like they're having a really hard time with their child. And I always get that's, yeah. they want me to know this. Yeah, um, that's really cute. Like they're trying to connect with you, but they don't want to. It's really sweet. I know. It would have been so good if they just gone like, hi, Lauren, I would have been, hi. Yeah, I'm following you. I'm so boring. I, I was literally just at the shops and just looking at something and someone walked past and went, Lauren. And I went, hello. She said, oh, I've been thinking about the day that I might bump into you. And I was like, oh, oh. that's and so cute. Because obviously she knows that we like live locally. And I immediately go, oh, I'm going to be such a disappointment. Because I, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I just go, oh, hello. You have self-confidence problems because when I said to you, um, let's do an interview and you were like, okay, about what? And I'm thinking, what the fuck do you mean about what? Like about you. About you. You have a really fucking interesting life and career and you were like, oh, okay. And I thought to myself, maybe like fame and notoriety. I hate to use the word fame, especially mm. in Australia, but like, you know, people think it makes people's heads big, but it might be the opposite. It might actually just 
fucking make you question everything about yourself and feel like you are like train yourself to be self-deprecating because it's sort of the only way that we can get away with I don't know like if I looked like you had achieved what you achieved had your brain I would be like yes cunts I'm here Uh, and it was fascinating that you weren't, that you're not. But I also think, oh, no one really wants somebody up themselves, friends. <laughs> People have a certain image of me and I always feel like because I do a lot of comedy skits and stuff, I feel like mm. people think it's going to be super funny or interesting and that's why I do those skits because I am so boring I need to make it up. Like I need to pretend <laughs> to be just like I have to go with the creativity. And Oh, um, no, you're very clever at your little skits and, it, you know, it's clever. It's just hard when people have expectations, isn't it? It's like you're not always on, you know, like sometimes you're going to be, I mean, I never feel like I'm a disappointment to people. I feel like sometimes they might think, oh, you look older in real life because I filter so much. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was at the service supermarket the other day, and do you know what? Sometimes I really want people to recognise me. Like, I, when I feel <laughs> really good, yeah. And when I first met Dancing, I was like, I'm super famous, and then like no one would say hi. But then, you know, two days later, you're in your PJs you're by yourself, you're in a bad mood, you're trying to get something at the shops, and everyone, you know, it's just like it doesn't work in your favour. So the other day, I was get because I get eyelash extensions because my eyelashes are non-existent. So I was getting my eyelash extensions, and the fire alarm in the shopping centre went off and I'm lying there like going, go, oh, no, to go. you're going to have to run out. And then the lady was like, oh, the security is here. We, we do need to go. And I'm like, okay. So I had to go and it's stand annoying. outside the shopping centre with one eye done. <laughs> and this lady comes up and says, hi, Lauren. And I've gone, oh, my God. I look like I just got one eye with other eyes completely nude. Like, Hello. She's like, you photo? <laughs> <laughs> I just felt really like, oh, of all the times it has to be right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it never works in your favour. So I was at the supermarket the other day and this woman goes, oh, hi, Con. And because I live in Fremantle, a small town, I've lived here most of my life, I don't know if they know me because I've got a fucking shit memory and the kids have been to all different schools and stuff. Or if it's a blog thing, generally it's a blog thing, but I just act like it might not be, you know what I mean? Hi, Con, how are you going? And I was like, yeah, really good. And she was like, how are all the kids? And I was like, good. And I was getting the picture. Anyway, and then um, I like paid for my shopping and she goes, do you think you could pay for mine? <laughs> Are you joking? And, no, I'm not joking. And everyone sort of looked at me and she goes, I'm just going to be about $25 short. And um, it, was really, it was really weird. It was a really weird experience. I said, yes, because I fucking like, I, I've always promised myself if anyone's card declines or anything, do you know what I mean? Like that, I will always step in and pay ever since I started earning a decent wage because I was poor most <laughs> did, of my life. Did she know you or was she just someone that recognised you? I, I don't know. I think she might have been, maybe had some sort of a like disability because it was, she started saying very loudly, can you pay for my shopping? And then I was like, yeah, fuck it. I, I said, I don't have cash. But then I was like, well, you can tap it. So I went over there and said to him, I can tap the remainder and, he, and then she gave him the money and he goes what are you talking about you've got plenty of money you've got enough and so uh, anyway I just maybe I mean she had children and stuff but it just reminded me of something Dens would do when Dens got brain injuries so I thought that maybe <laughs> that's an awkward situation you can't but I get weird yeah. shit like that happens to me all the time it's like I've never had anyone ask me to pay for their groceries before but that's 
it was a first for me too, but. Obviously she knows how big your heart is and that you would say. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Or maybe just like everyone else in my fucking life, she knows that I'm fucking easily twisted. Have my arm <laughs> twisted. She went, oh, I can clock her. Yeah. I've seen, I've I've seen everyone else asking for money. Remember when you were famous, Mum? Remember when people used to stop you on the street and I'm like. Ask you for cash. fucking famous, mate. Have you seen my followers? Nah, no one cares about you anymore, Mum. Like, <laughs> Keeping it real. Yeah. Yeah. I could talk to you all day. I'd love to have you back on sometime. And thanks for everything that you're doing because you make it easier for someone like me to be able to come out and use my voice because I've seen everyone already abuse you when you were okay. So (laughs) (laughs) you're still smiling. (laughs) And you're absolutely gorgeous and so kind and so glad we've connected. Oh, I'm so glad too, Con. You've been a real shining light and you've really made me feel because uh, one of the things I said to my um, manager right at the beginning when she was like oh brands don't want to work with you anymore and I said that's not going to be motivation for me to not do it I said mm. I have full confidence that eventually so many people will speak out that it won't be controversial anymore yep. it's taking a little slower than I wanted but People like you, when we get together and we use our voices together, it makes it easier for everyone. Just quickly on that, is that a major source of your income that's that's been affected? Mm. It must be really tough. It is. I mean, we'll survive, but it's a little worrying. I think we need to put our heads together and find out ways that we can support other people who have lost careers by just, you know, even if, if you're doing a podcast or if you're doing a book or something, cross promotions. Do you know what I mean? Just to use that power of... Of the people to like circumnavigate these pricks. You're so kind, Constance. That's, that's so you to figure out. <laughs> that's so why she's paying for other people's groceries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happens? Pay for mine. I'm, I'm not surprised <laughs> at all. Well, I have to if the brands keep boycotting you. <laughs> oh, so okay, fun. we'll let you go. Thanks, Thanks, Lauren. We love you lots. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to another episode of To Be Frank. If you enjoyed this episode and want more, be sure to click follow and leaving a review helps others find the podcast. Join us next time as we explore more interesting topics and people from all over the world.